this morning, back in 1 John. 1 John 2.19, just one verse. But there's plenty to learn from it. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not all of us. That was from the ESV. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that whatever happens, whatever issues arise that are important to us, conflicts may arise, but you've already taught us, you've already given us the truth, and you've given us the tools that we need to identify the truth and to make the right decisions about what we'll preach and what we'll believe. And we ask you to continue to give us a love for the truth that we may be teachable and we may be firm at the same time. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. First of all, we have here another chiasm. I don't always point these out, but it's interesting how the biblical authors write. And they love this form. So that's what we have here. They went out from us. And then the middle of the chiasm, they did not really belong to us. If they belonged to us, so there's the idea, belong to us, they would have remained with us. So they went out. Who went out? Well, it was the Antichrist. Remember me talking about Antichrists and the Antichrist? And that these false teachers claimed they had some special knowledge, they had a special anointing, they had secrets and they knew things us ordinary Christians could never figure out. So we need them. And John, the apostle, whose apostolic teaching was the foundation of this church, whom he called little children, was telling them that they had heard from John the true gospel that came from Jesus Christ. The gospel not only comes from Jesus Christ, the gospel is about Jesus Christ. And we'll see as we go through John, or first John, that central to all of this is the doctrine of Christ. Now, when the Bible talks about the doctrine of Christ, it is using a genitive in the Greek that can either mean the doctrine about Christ or the doctrine from Christ or both. And I think both are true because the doctrine about Christ was given to the apostles by Christ. And they preached Christ. In fact, it's so important that when the Bible says preach Christ, it's synonymous with preach the gospel. So one little phrase here, they went out from us. So what they left 
was the true orthodox apostolic fellowship that adhered to the teaching the teachings of Christ and his apostles one of whom was John the word have gone out in the Greek is exerchomai and it happened at a point in time and what we learn about this is that they left of their own accord. They couldn't stand any more of John's gospel. They did not want to be limited. They didn't want to be corrected. They didn't want to be totally dependent on Christ alone. And so they got upset and angry, whatever their demeanor, they left because they couldn't stand any more of it. They chose to leave, and where they left was from us. Now, I have to discuss something here that's important for us that we understand this correctly. This does not imply that every time someone chooses to go to a different church, we're free to know for sure they're blasphemous heretics. All right? We would like to maybe use the verse this way, but that's not appropriate. Especially in the world we live in, where there are many churches, and it could very well be that someone would leave one Christian church to go to another, where both of them are preaching the gospel, and maybe there's travel issues, friendships, opportunities to be used in a certain community. That's between people and the Lord. The way I view this, because I've been through these things for 45 years, and we had a lot of talk in Canada about church issues, and they were kind of picking my brain about things I had experienced over all those years. And sometimes there are legitimate gospel issues where we need to take our stand about Christ and the gospel. And if someone will not tolerate the preaching of Christ and the gospel, and they say, I can't take this anymore, I'm out of here, then I think this applies. They're not of us. Because every true Christian loves Christ. And I can tell you from our little ministry trip that my heart was filled with joy and grace and love hearing people. They had street preachers. They call them open-air preachers. They had six of them up on the stage for one of the presentations. And our friend Kevin was asking questions. And they were telling about where they went and how they preached Christ. And they'd go to the biggest event in Canada, the Calvary Stampede. That's a huge thing. And they'd go there and they'd preach the gospel. And one of them, after I preached and Eric, he came and he said, oh, do you guys do all of the solas? <laughs> we would like to get them. 
from you. We've tried to make it very clear. But we were so one. I had never met that guy. I just heard him up there talking about preaching Christ out on the street somewhere in Canada. And when I talked with him, it's like we were just one. And the, the love and the grace is really amazing. And it was always about the gospel. And I know there's things amongst all those different groups where we wouldn't agree with something or another, but that didn't become evident there because of the unity of the gospel. But that has to be the issue. One of the reasons we must preach Christ, one of the solos is Christ alone, which was well taught there, is that if we preach Christ, it will keep the church together of those who are born from on high by the grace of God because of their love for Christ. And those who can't stand to hear any more about Christ believe. Or they might be taught. I told a story there of how some people that asked me over the years to teach something different, I refused to do. But one guy came back three years later and said, thank you for not listening to me. Why? Because the teaching of God's word, scripture alone, that was my duty to teach that there, is always going to bear fruit in the life and hearts of those who love Christ. It always will. How do I know that? Because of the promises of God. God cannot lie. They went out of, from us. This happened using the same Greek in John 13, 30 and 31 with Judas. And so after receiving the morsel, he went out, same word, immediately, and it was night. When therefore the, he had gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified and God is glorified in him. These ones went out from the teaching of Christ and his apostles. When I was flown to California to talk to Rick Warren, because I'd written a book about him. When I got there, he said, well, tell us about yourself and whatever. And when it came time to say something, I said, please preach Christ. I'm here to ask you to preach Christ. And let me explain how you do that. I'll tell you, because he'd asked me about me. I said, I'll tell you how I do it. And I preach the gospel to him. Then it becomes Chris Roseborough's turn. He says, I've been here for four days at this massive conference. I haven't heard one word about the forgiveness of sins. Tell me what you have for forgiveness of sins. If you won't preach Christ, and you don't have the forgiveness of sins, guess what? They went out from us. Is that not right? What would we do? Dear saints, what would we do with no forgiveness of sins? You think that's not even important? Well, let's go on. For if they'd been of us, they would have continued with us. If it's a second-class conditional, little Greek material here. And that means if, as, is, not, 
the case. They weren't of us. It was too much for them to have to listen to the gospel and to hear about Christ and to hear about the forgiveness of sins. Some would say, why don't you preach on something practical? Oh, I've heard that over 45 years. I've heard it again and again. 15 years ago, someone came to me and said, why don't you ever preach something practical? And I was just preaching verse by verse through the Bible. You know what that is? It's a denial of the sufficiency of Scripture. Whatever Scripture says isn't going to help me. I need some other kind of information. Dear saints, the Word of God is powerful, effectual, and it comes directly from God with His truth and His love and His authority. And it is what you need. And don't let anybody tell you that the forgiveness of sins is not practical. Wait till you get the judgment seat of Christ. What are you going to say? Well, I, I did a lot of practical things and solved problems. But what about the forgiveness of sins? Well, that wasn't important. We did a focus group and nobody cared. What? So 1 John 4, 1, I'll give you a little preview. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And we'll get to that eventually as I teach you 1 John. But a little preview. Why do you need to test the spirits? He says why. Because false prophets have gone out in the world. So how do you test the spirits? By testing teachings of people who claim to speak for God. See, the false prophets teach. And so everybody coming in a Christian context claims, oh, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Well, we should honor the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. But prophets teach. And it's our duty and privilege to judge the spirits, meaning judge the teachings. Don't believe everything you hear. Another thing I heard, this is all in my mind because of the questions I got in Canada. I heard this from somebody in the early 80s. I remember exactly when it happened. Somebody said, Bob, why do you always have to know whether something's true? They were sick of it. Because I would say, no, this isn't true and that isn't true. We got to go over here to the Bible. And they were used to just going to the meeting and everybody's excited and some man of God was strutting around and calling down the heavens and claiming to be the anointed one. And, and then I'd say something like, well, what he said really wasn't true. What's wrong with you? Why do you need to know that? Because God cannot lie. He claims to be speaking for God. Dear saints, you're always going to have to decide, is this really from God? So they don't continue with us. They came to us here being not some particular local fellowship in the 21st century. 
but the fellowship where John the Apostle was and founded on teachings of Christ and his apostles. This isn't just any fellowship they left. They left the teaching of the apostles. The reason we believe in Scripture alone is we need to teach the teachings of Christ and his apostles. They would have continued the word there as meno, thematic in John's gospel and in his epistles. It means to stay put. Remember in John 8, some people that said believed, at least superficially. And Jesus said, if you continue, John 8, 31, I think, in my word, then you'll be disciples and you'll know the truth and be set free. And they said, oh, we don't need freedom. We're not interested in what you have. Mano, if you continue my word, stay put. This is the gospel. This is the rock-solid foundation. This is what God gave us. This is what's going to keep us for all eternity. Here we are in Christ, with Christ, believing the truth. Stay put in Christ. Mano. We love the teaching about Christ and teachings of Christ. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not all of us, or they, are, they all are not of us. There's a hina in the Greek, means in order that. So there's a purpose clause, in order that. This has a purpose. When disputes come upon a local fellowship and claims are made and people are called on the carpet, we have to give account for what we believe and why. We've been through that, have we not? Eric was able to share with the dear saints in Weyburn, Canada, what he went through. They had gone through something similar. Gospel of Grace in Canada exists the same reason that we do. Some people decided they didn't want what they were teaching, which was Christ and the gospel. Very similar. But there's a purpose for being called into account. Why do you preach what you do? Why do you believe what you do? Why do you bring these things to the people of God? Because of Christ alone, grace alone, Scripture alone, all of the solas. Grace, Christ, Scripture, what am I forgetting? Glory of God, faith alone, there it is. See, we're well trained. Somebody said faith, it's the one who was escaping me. And that's exactly what it's always about. Most of the movements in the church that are gaining massive amounts of followers are not grounded in the five solas. They're not grounded in Christ alone. They're grounded in sociology, find out what people want or find out what they'll come and listen to, find out what tickles their ears. And it's really a bad idea. When there is a battle, it's not wrong to debate. It better not be because I've been in a bunch of them. Because the debate has a purpose. The New Testament's full of debates. Paul debated. They had, deb they had a debate in Acts. 
that the Gentiles have to be under the law of Moses. It's good because two things happen. The truth is clarified. It's shown to be what it really is. And error is exposed so that more people don't fall into it. There's a word in the Greek, dokimadzo, means to put to the test. And it could be used in a secular sense for bringing ore to the assayer to find out if there's any gold in it. So you crunch it down and you do whatever they do. But it's not bad because it may be proved to be gold. If we're ready to defend what we teach, we can hope by God's grace that it's proven to be gold. And then we don't have to be ashamed. If it isn't, better to find out now and repent before it's too late. So become plain is phanerao, and that means in the Greek, manifested. God manifests what is and is not of Christ. And he wants to do it now before we end up before the judgment seat of Christ. We learn about him. We appreciate the, God, the gospel of grace. We appreciate what we have. It becomes seen as more precious than gold. Wouldn't you be excited if you found a chunk of rock in your backyard and you took it to the office of the assayer and he went through everything necessary and comes back and says, you've got some gold here. Would, he, would you be excited? Not even at $1,300 an ounce? Oh, yes, we would in an analogical way because we've got something precious and there may be more. But what about the doctrine of Christ? What if it's tested? What if some people say, we got to get out of here. We don't want to hear more grace alone and Christ alone. We want something more practical. We'll put it to the test. And if the test shows us the excellencies of Christ, we know that what we have will not only keep us in this life, it'll be proven to be precious in the day of testing at the end of the age, before the judgment seat of Christ. We have a chance to get it right now. By their leaving, the church was both purified and educated. We are forced to decide what is the true orthodox doctrine of Christ. I have some applications here that I'm claiming are logically and necessarily derived from the test. But here's the good news. You are urged by God to decide if that's true. You be Bereans, search the scriptures to see if these things are true. Because any human is fallible and could be wrong. I want you to do that. I taught that in Canada. I don't want to be a hypocrite and say, but you can't do it to me. That doesn't mean you're being mean to me. You're just wanting to learn and to know. So I need to work hard to make sure it really is. We must know and affirm the doctor of Christ. Number two, until we know the outcome, we must patiently help those going astray. Now, in John's case, the outcome had happened. They left. But there's a process usually before it gets to that. And then three, testing brings clarity to what and who is approved. 
Let's look ahead a little bit into 2 John. 2 John 1, 7 and 9. For many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Anyone who goes too far and does not abide, meno, that's our word, stay put in the teaching of Christ, does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and the Son. So there's some good Christology, the unity of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And here we mention the Father and the Son. And there's a danger. The world is full of deceivers. How many of you know that if you turn on the Christian TV, not everything you hear is really Christian? Did anybody notice that? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. If you're going to turn on Christian TV, you better start discerning right away. Because the worst something is, as far as teaching, the bigger audience it gets and the more money it generates. It costs a lot of money to be on a big TV network. It doesn't mean everybody on there is wrong. It means we need to discern. And if you hear Christ truly preached on a large TV show, I would rejoice. We got to rejoice. Christ is preached. So we have deceivers, and they went out into the world, and they don't acknowledge Jesus as coming in the flesh. So John emphasizes the doctrine of Christ. And people get that wrong when they're false teachers. Some people say Jesus wasn't really fully human. He only seemed to have a body. The Gnostics, they thought the material realm was evil. So if Jesus, if the incarnation was real, and Jesus really had a physical body, he'd be implicated in evil. So he had to be just a spirit. Now other false teachers said, Jesus wasn't really God the creator from all eternity, but when the Holy Spirit came on him at his baptism, that's when he received his deity. Now, deity is neither gain nor loss. It is. Before Abraham was, I am. Eternal, non-contingent existence as God. When we preach the gospel, we say as God and with God. To denote the deity of Christ and also the second person of the Trinity. One in essence, three in persons. We have to preach this. This isn't boring theology, unless you're unregenerate. Story. We're going to Canada. Canadians driving us our friend Kevin. He says, now when we get to the border, the best thing to do is to be boring. The border guards, you know, if you're boring, well, what did he say? Well, I 
bought some eggs from so-and-so, and I'm going back to Weber in Canada. Oh, okay. So we're supposed to be boring. So we get there, hand him passports. The lady looks in the back seat. says, where are you guys from? Well, the, the driver said, I'm from Canada, Weber in Canada. Where are you from? Minneapolis. What are you here for? I said, we're here to preach the gospel. Okay. I figured he'd either rejoice or be bored. <laughs> Eric says, we're going to teach on the five solas. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. And then Kevin told the story when we got there. I told him to be boring, and Bob says, we're going to preach the gospel. <laughs> Anyhow, maybe that'll work for you if you ever go to Canada. <laughs> How far is too far? <laughs> so they go too far, and they don't abide in the teaching. They depart from the doctrine of Christ. Notice how much John loves the doctrine of Christ. John's gospel starts with the doctrine of Christ. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, and so on. John's epistle, what was from the beginning. John's gospel, he was from the beginning. John's gospel starts with the deity of Christ, his first epistle with the incarnation of Christ. Dear saints, we should always love to hear that. Do you get tired of hearing about Christ in the beginning and from the beginning? Echo Genesis 1.1. Now I want to talk about helping those who go astray. We need to have kind compassionate hearts as Christians. When I was a young man, that was not my strong suit. I was quick to anger and often had to apologize, quick to blow off the handle. And uh, this passage, when I was studying back in the 70s, this passage helped me change what I was doing in the ministry. And I realized I had to be this way. 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25, A, the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. So before they actually left, there's this. It's amazing how powerful it is to gently but firmly teach the truth. Let me explain to you what the Bible says and explain it and apply it. Well, I don't like that. Well, let me explain it from another passage. Here's what God said. You need to think about the truth. Dear ones, the, the truth is powerful. It takes me a long time to do this when I'm working with CIC readers because they're looking for an instant answer. 
they believe that they need somebody to cast out demons. And I've told you before, I interact with them concerning Christ and the gospel. And I've been asking the Lord to give me grace to be patient. I could dismiss everyone right now. You're goofy, go away. But I don't do that. I'm patient by God's grace because they might come to the truth. I point them to Christ. Every single one, I point to Hebrews 4.16 and explain to them what it means. You are one, if you're a Christian, who has access to the throne of grace. And what do you get there? Mercy, grace, and timely help. I suggest to my readers, what you need is mercy, grace, and timely help. But they're thinking, no, I need a man of God who can rebuke the devil and make him leave. I say, no, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Where is he going to leave to? You need to flee to Christ. You are of God. The evil one doesn't touch you. Go to Christ. Elders, according to 1 Timothy 3.3, 3, are to not be pugnacious. What's pugnacious? Does anybody know? Ready and willing to fight. Put them up. You haven't even said two words. Oh, hi, I would like to meet you. Are you ready to get punched an hour or later? Oh, sorry I brought it up. That's not the qualification of an elder. Able to teach. Patient enough to do so. We must teach Christian doctrine to the church. You must equip the saints so that they are protected from spiritual harm. We need to be kind but patient, loving but firm, not yielding, not compromising, but making the truth accessible to people who want to learn. If they go out from us because they were not really of us, let it only be because they don't want to hear about Christ. Not because we're so mean and nasty, nobody could talk to us. Titus 1.9, holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, so that they'd be able to both exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. Elders are to be able to do that. So we need to help people. It continues, Paul does, to Timothy. 2 Timothy 2.25b and 26. If perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth. By the way, the truth is often synonymously parallel with the gospel. Leading to the knowledge of the truth and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil having been held captive by him to do his will. This verse here in 1979 was what got me out of the deliverance ministry. 
I had been spending most of five years doing deliverance ministry, trying to rebuke the devil and get him to leave people alone. And it was frustrating. And after all those years, I saw almost no fruit. I was crying out to God, what am I going to do? This was the verse that answered my question. The Lord showed me from the scripture that patiently and gently teaching the truth is how people have escaped from Satan. The gospel will stand on its own. Tell them about Christ and the gospel. That's how they get free. So I started doing that. I still do that. I follow this to this very day. And it's amazing how many people get disappointed. And I'm trying to understand why are they so disappointed when I tell them about Christ and the gospel when they wanted a deliverance counselor. One guy finally told me just yesterday, that may mean I'm always going to be this way. In other words, I don't want any more of this torment. And if somebody can figure out what demon it is and cast it out, I might get better. But I'm saying, go to Christ. To like Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, go to Christ. Go to the throne of grace. It says you'll get mercy, grace, and timely help. Well, and then they go. And they're back on the internet looking for somebody else, looking for somebody else. These people take their money. Professional exorcists get paid thousands to spend time with people. Somebody emailed me while I was in Canada. Do you do deliverance by Skype? <laughs> well, that's not going to happen. I don't have Skype. But that's not what I said. I told them about Christ and the gospel. Here's what I think you really need. This is what God says. God's word is sufficient. God's word is clear. God's word is authoritative. God's word is powerful. Escape from the snare of the devil. How? Because God granted repentance. Grace alone. The devil speaks the lie. The gospel is the truth about Christ. And when you escape by repentance and faith in the gospel, you are taken not just away from this problem or that problem, you are taken from the domain of darkness, totally removed and put in the kingdom of his beloved son. I mentioned this to you before. I say to people, you're thinking too small. You need to get totally out of Satan's domain altogether. And you're only going to do that through the gospel. Well, I'm already a Christian. Well, I don't assume that's true. So let me tell you about Christ. So he preached Christ, preached the gospel, Hebrews 4, 60, all of these passages, and Colossians 1, 13, 14. This is what you need to change domains. Today, maybe you're hearing me, and you yourself need to change domains. Maybe you are under the domain of darkness, even if you don't believe there is a Satan. The way out is through Christ. I've already told you it's pre-existence as God and with God. Let me tell you, he was born of a virgin, literally. That he walked the earth sinlessly, fully human and fully God. 
that he predicted his own resurrection from the dead. That he was crucified like a cursed, hated criminal. And that he didn't go through all of that because he needed it, because he was sinless. He did that so that people who believe can receive the imputed righteousness of Christ. That God would declare lost sinners who believe to be righteous in order to bring to us redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Now, nothing is greater. Dear ones, if you receive redemption, the forgiveness of sins, you have escaped. This is an escape. Colossians 1.13, rescued, transferred. Verse 14, redeemed, bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. Forgiven, declared righteous because of the righteousness of Christ. We escape through the gospel. If you have not believed today, repent and believe the gospel. Trust in Christ. Believe in him. You'll be a son or daughter of God. And if you are, go to that throne of grace. Hebrews 4.16, I remind people, Jesus is God. God is omniscient. God is omnipotent. God is loving. And you're not going to go there too often and have God run out of help for you. He won't ever run out of help. Well, maybe he's too busy. I'll go to Mary. Oh, really? Here's a problem. If you're Catholic, Mary's finite. She can only hear one person at a time talk. Jesus is omniscient. A billion people or more could talk to Jesus at the same time, and he would hear everyone. He would care about everyone. He would have grace and mercy for everyone, and he'd have timely help. He can't run out. So people think, well, Jesus can't figure it out, but some human being could who has no deity. Don't listen to that. It's a bunch of lies. If you're Catholic and you believe in Jesus, then you need to believe what the Bible says about Jesus, that he died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, in order to bring you to God, that he is omniscient, and he can help, and he's motivated. He's a God of love. Don't go to some sinner, even a sinner saved by grace. Go to Christ, the sinless one. That's the gospel. It's the gospel of Christ. The escape from the devil comes through belief in the gospel and repentance. Coming to the knowledge of the truth implies knowing Christ, who is the truth. If you have not, today, turn to Jesus Christ. One more truth, I believe, necessarily it logically follows from the passage that we studied. Testing reveals the approved. 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman 
who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Approved is dokamas. Dokamas. Put to the test and proven genuine. Some people don't want their teachings tested. You can't question me. I'm the church leader. I'm a bishop. You can't ask me. You can't question what I say. No. If you're really preaching the truth, you would relish because here's a chance to present yourself approved to God. It's not meaning for sure you're going to be rejected. It means you're going to find out what is. Is this gold or is this just a chunk of rock? Is this the real thing? Do I have something I'm relying on, believing in, and preaching and teaching that will stand the test forever and ever? So Paul is saying, be diligent to do this. This means being tested by Scripture alone. Proved is something we need. And then 1 Corinthians 11:19. For there must, this is the word that we've taught many times, day, divine purpose, must be factions among you so that those who are approved may become evident among you. There's going to be some always who will say, enough already. We don't want to hear law and gospel. We want you to tell us something practical. Tell us what to do. Well, one thing is clear. The gospel is about what God has done and has promised to do. The religion of man is about what we do. Or, more simply, the gospel is about what God does for us. False teaching is about what we think we're going to do for God. Lucky God, I'm doing things for him. That's the religion of Antichrist, the religion of works. It will always condemn us. But if we're living for God by grace through faith and trusting him alone, believing only what he says, when God tests our work now, it'll be evident that it'll stand. And if it doesn't, we have time to repent and get back on what will stand the test. It's important, it's necessary to be tested. God doesn't let us go all the way through this life and then at the end, the only test is in heaven is too late. He says gospel preachers now so that we got a chance to know if we're right. Are you trusting your own good works? Are you trusting God's finished work in Christ? Dear ones, if you trust Jesus, you will stand the test. You will make it through the day of judgment. And it will be said to you, enter into the joy of your master. You'll dine with the king. I'm so thankful that you've been so kind to us to allow us to week after week share the gospel with you and you don't get tired of it. Well, thank you. It's good because I don't want to preach anything else. And so God will help us to be approved so that it won't be too late. 
Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your beloved apostle John who taught us these things. Thank you for caring about us, to grant us repentance, to give us entrance into the eternal kingdom, to give us right standing before your holy throne only because we're in Christ. Thank you for giving us a heart to hear what you've said and help us to be kind and loving and bold in our proclamation of your truth. We love you, dear Lord, because you first loved us. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' holy name. Amen.